Welcome to Let the Quran Speak. Since 2018, the world has had evidence that China is repressing its Uyghur community. Here with me is Amina Karimov. Amina, welcome to Let the Quran Speak. Hello, how are you? Amina, you know, we have evidence, of course, of, in, of what China is doing, but the world has done very little in response. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you feel about that? Uh, a bit lonely and isolated. Um, it's just that I feel like we're forgotten, um, that we're not that important, and that we don't deserve the human, um, how do you say, the human affection or human help that we should be getting. So almost like we don't exist to the world. And even if we do cry about it, it's like, what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Tell me what we know about what China is doing to the Uyghur community. Um, majority of people know about the concentration camp, but not a lot of people know what's happening in the concentration camp. Mm -hmm. China did say, yes, we do have these camps, but there are re-educational camps. Mm -hmm. So we educate people on it. It's like vocational camps. They try to beautify it. But what's actually happening is torture, rape, um, organ donation. Um, women that go to these camps, they are sent to laborers, um, factories where they have to be are forced to work um, they're separated from their children and the children are sent to orphanages um, there's a lot that's happening and then now the starvation genocide which a lot of people did not know and even myself up until recently uh, so they are locking them homes in aspect to of how do you say covid so they're trying mm -hmm. to prevent covid and they're locking them home but they're not giving them any food they're not doing they're not giving them anything to survive on so they're letting them die pretty mm -hmm. much and this is all just saying it's covid and they're trying to prevent it but it's not the case they're just trying to get rid of mass amount of people in a short time get away with it um, they're also sterilizing women and they're also getting them to be married to han chinese mm -hmm. so that way the culture is gone mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I remember when I first started learning about what was going on to the Uyghur community, yeah. I thought it was surreal. Like, it didn't make any sense to me. How is it possible that this is happening in the world, you know? Yeah. And we read about, for example, the digital surveillance that they're doing, yeah. um, the artificial technology, you know, and, and the police is involved in all this. It didn't seem, it seemed like a nightmare. And actually, when I first started hearing about it, I kept having nightmares about it because mm -hmm. I kept thinking about it. I couldn't yeah. believe that this was happening in our world and nobody was doing anything about exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Amina, can you tell me a little bit about your family who lives in East Turkestan? So my father, my mother, and my siblings all live in Canada. My father saved us from seeing anything or even experiencing any of those stuff. But um, I've never seen my hometown. I've never met my grandparents. I've never met my uncles or anyone from other than my parents. Yeah. Um, never had the chance to call them or call them grandparents or anything like that. So I don't know. Um, what's going on there right mm -hmm. um, so i only hear stories of it from my parents i don't know that how they look uh, but never seen them never heard them so and then i know that i still don't know even my father doesn't know if his mom's alive or not or his brother's alive or not and yeah. we have no way of communicating with them so I don't know what to say about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard people say that, you know, even it's risky even to call them. Oh, right? yes. Because if you call them, they might get into trouble. Right? Oh, yeah. Big so, time. Yeah. yeah. They will call the, uh, they and the if, even if you do camp. talk to them, you would have to talk in very coded very ways. Coded. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Very coded. Um, if my dad does end up calling and she picks up the phone, if my grandma picks up the phone, 
um, she will be sent to concentration camps right away. It doesn't matter her age. Mm -hmm. um, she will be sent to concentration camps. And mm -hmm. that has happened to many of the people. Just a phone call sent them to mm -hmm. concentration camps. So what impact does this have on the Uyghur community in, in Toronto, in Canada? Because sometimes we think, okay, this is happening far away. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, when I see members of the Uyghur community, I feel like there's something that's not whole inside them. Like something yeah. is missing yeah. because their heart is, you know, somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And they don't even know if those people still are alive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it leaves us helpless, to be honest. I myself felt helpless because there's not much we can do. And no matter how many protests we will go, how many MPs we will message, how many times we'll share it on Facebook, Instagram, it still leaves us helpless. It leaves us into tears and it has left our community into many tears with recent deaths where we can't even give them a proper burial and we have to do like the prayer that the Janelles are here mm -hmm. without them being present here themselves. Yeah. And whenever we see a communities having a death news, um, it would leave everyone else and like, oh my God, is my family okay? This happened to them. Um, how far were they from my house? How far were they from this house? You know, it leads them into a lot of, I guess, thoughts and like kind of sadness, depression. Um, I know my father, he feels guilty to eat because he doesn't know his father. I mean, his mother, his brothers are eating. Um, majority of the time is just helplessness. Mm -hmm. We feel very helpless mm -hmm. and um, kind of, we don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. What do you think the international community should be doing? Um, I think uh, reach out to their MPs, definitely boycott. I know people think boycott doesn't work that well, but the smallest difference creates a ripple. And boycotting would be a huge difference because a lot of these things are coming from Xinjiang, China, mm -hmm. East Turkestan, right? Um, so everything that we buy supports them, supports Chinese community to increase more factories and force more women to work in these factories and they sell it to the world for cheaper price and people buy it. You know? mm -hmm. And if we boycott it and stop that communication line where they buy stuff from them, maybe these factories will close. Maybe at least we could save some women from not working and prevent these slavery, labor, work. Mm -hmm. It could be a way to you know, force China to take action as well, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think, um, Amina, about you know, the United States has a forced um, Labor Prevention Act, a Uyghur yes. forced, forced Labor Prevention Act, but Canada doesn't have anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we know that the, the House of Commons you know, it declared that what was going on in China was genocide, mm -hmm. but it hasn't really taken much action. Yeah. So do you think Canada should pass similar legislation? I definitely should. Canada is known to fight for people's rights and freedom, and they're always in the front line to help whoever is in need of help. And um, Uyghur people should not be any different. Like Ukraine was suffering and they were in war and impacted by horrible things. And Canada was in the front line of accepting refugees, accepting them in whatever way they can, helping them. And I think it shouldn't be no different to the Uyghur people um, suffering. And also they are impacted by such genocide. Mm -hmm. So I think Canada should also implement the legislation that's happened, the same thing as the U.S. And they should also help the refugees kind of feel a little bit at home mm -hmm. and help them start their life or move on with their life. Mm -hmm. You know, more and more people are becoming more concerned about like what's in the supply chain and 
you know, is it ethical, mm -hmm. right? Who's making our products? Where is it being made? So I think yeah. that there is impetus there. So if the politicians want to follow that will, that would be great. Yeah, that'll be fantastic. That'll, that'll be a huge yeah. change for can you tell me a little bit about re uh, refugees? Because you mentioned that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I know that there is uh, Uyghur community in other countries besides China. I'm guessing it would be very difficult for people in China to leave. Oh yeah. You know, on a, yeah. on, a, on, a, on the basis that they're refugees. Yeah. But let's say they're in a third country, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think that Canada should do for these refugees? Um, the ones, for example, living in third world countries like Thailand, a lot of these Uyghur people that are there seeking refuge are put into jail and they almost have a bounty on their heads. So China, like these countries are sending Uyghur people back to China. And once they're back in China, they're in concentration camps or dead. So there's no way they're gonna survive anything like that. And I think Canada should take a step and at least bring some of these refugees to Canada and give them a second home here mm -hmm. and let them, like give them the same chance that Ukrainians and other refugees got mm -hmm. as well. And I guess ease the ease the the, the, the rules a bit, right? Because, yeah. for example, they might not be able to get the documents oh, easily yeah. from yes. China, but m maybe they can make that easier. Or, for example, if someone applies for a student visa, mm -hmm. um, knowing that, okay, these students will not be able to go back, right? Yes. It might not be safe for them to go back, but yeah. maybe we should just accept them anyway. Yeah, we should. Um, it's almost impossible to get documents from China um, because they won't. They won't try to help um, any Uyghur people. So definitely easing the acceptance to Canada will be so much more easier, especially to the students. The students are the future for the Uyghur generation that's coming. Mm -hmm. What do you think ordinary people should do? Like, let's say somebody like me or somebody who's watching, mm -hmm. what would you advise them in terms of what they can do to help the Uyghur community or stand in solidarity with them? Definitely share, mm -hmm. like share, share awareness, come out to the protest. Protests are huge. It's the reason why people are now aware of Uyghur people is because our community kept going on protests, keep saying, okay, stop China for what it's doing. Educate yourselves what is Uyghur and what is, what's China doing on our culture because China is stealing our culture and claiming it theirs. Mm -hmm. So definitely educate yourselves. Um, feel other Uyghur people welcome to them. Um, I know as a child growing up myself, I felt very lonely being the Uyghur I am. Um, people ask me, where are you from? I'll say, East Turkestan. Like, where? Tajikistan, <laughs> Turkmenistan. Yeah. Um, they will say something like that. Um, I will feel very out of this world almost. Mm -hmm. But definitely feel, make other Uyghur people welcome. Um, I don't know, maybe if you have the resources, create a safe community for them. Mm -hmm. You mentioned boycotting. And I understand, for example, that there are certain products that are made in that region, East Turkestan or what China calls Xinjiang, mm -hmm. that are well known to mm -hmm. be made by members of the Uyghur community, right? Mm -hmm. For example, cotton yeah. or certain things that are used for solar panels, yeah. right? And, and maybe there are other things that you can think of. Hair wigs. Um, there was research showing that hair wigs came from women that went to concentration oh, camps wow. and they would use these hairs to make wigs. I don't know that definitely the wigs and all these things like Xi'an. Um, it's made in... This company, she, the, yeah. yeah, the okay, company. Yeah. They're yeah. so cheap for a reason because they don't have to pay their employees. They're slaves in um, these factories working. So that's why they're cheap. They're not cheap for, <laughs> for no reason. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely by cutting. Um, 
it doesn't really specifically say this product came from Xinjiang. Mm -hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't say that. It says China, right? Yes. So it's hard to locate where this product actually came from. But definitely labor forces are put into play in all of these products are made and they're cheap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amina, thank you for sharing your story. That was really brave of you. And I know that probably you will face repercussions from, you know, the Chinese government in some way, um, electronically. Yeah. But I wish you the best. And, thank you know, so I much. pray for you and I pray for your community. Thank you for sharing my story. Our videos reach people all over the world. We hope you will seize the opportunity to share in the reward from God. Please support us today.